Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. As we've reported today, the the Utah State Senate passed an income tax cut. It would uh, drop the rate here for citizens in the state of Utah down to 4.85%. Of course, that still would need to be approved and passed in the House of Representatives and signed into law by the governor. Often when we talk about tax cuts, we talk about red states and red-led states. But if you think that tax cuts are only for red Republican-led states, it's time to think again. Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. Well, it is true. Often when you think of the tax cuts, you do think of either Republican-led or or deep red states. Uh, Blue states tend to have higher taxes in general. But as we come out of the pandemic, it is interesting to note that uh, it's not just Republicans cutting taxes. There are uh, a host of blue states that are also looking at changes and reducing and cutting taxes. So what does this all mean? What does it mean for the post-pandemic economy? Jared Walzak is the vice president of state projects at the Tax Foundation in Washington, D.C., and he joins us on the line today. Jared, uh, you've been uh, tweeting away on this that that, uh, we we may have found something else that has a little bipartisanship uh, across the country, and it's tax cuts. What are you seeing out there? Oh, that's absolutely true, and it's good to be with you this afternoon. Uh, yeah, I, we are seeing right now a consensus that there's enough revenue growth in states across the country to provide tax relief. And there are some differences sometimes between how Democrats and Republicans are approaching this. We've had 21 percent tax revenue growth year over year. And in a lot of states, we're talking, you know, purple states like Colorado or New Mexico, where Democrats are proposing some serious tax relief, but also true blue states like uh, New York and Washington state, where there's real tax relief on the table right now. Uh, so as you look at that, uh, you, you mentioned that uh, the uh, the growth in, in the revenue coming, 21 percent increase there. What is it that these states are prioritizing or how are they approaching this? And, and what are the difference between the red states and the blue states? On the whole, I think uh, red states and Republicans have looked a little more at the income tax and uh, Democrats have looked more at the sales tax. But that hasn't been universally true uh, in Colorado 
Nebraska and New York, uh, Democratic lawmakers and governors are talking seriously about income tax relief. There's this really comprehensive tax reform proposal in Nebraska by a Democratic lawmaker that would substantially cut the income tax, get rid of the inheritance tax, modernize the sales tax. In New York, new governor Kathy Hochul is uh, talking about middle income, income tax reductions. In Colorado, there's an opportunity to reduce the rate a little more after they did it in, uh, two, in last year. So doing it again, potentially in uh, 2023. And then uh, we've looked at some pretty significant sales tax cuts in New Mexico, Tennessee, Washington, and there's other reforms that are being discussed as well uh, by Democratic lawmakers and Democratic governors across the country. As they're uh, having those conversations in state houses and governor's mansions uh, across the country, uh, you mentioned that uh, states, a lot of states are flush with cash uh, for one reason, uh, and that's a lot of that's uh, kind of that pandemic relief money from Washington, D.C. Uh, and are we are we setting are some of these states setting themselves up uh, with this one time money that they've received? Uh, are they going to be able to sustain things uh, once that uh, dries up and goes away? It's a great question. And uh, 16 states cut their individual income taxes or corporate income taxes, or often both, last year. That's the biggest wave we've seen in many decades. And all of them did so in a way that is consistent with their long-term revenue projections. And that's where most states are this year as well. We have a number of reasons why we have this significant revenue growth. And like you said, one of them is directly this federal aid to states. Another one that's really important because it shows up in the tax revenue side of the ledger is that government boosted personal income with checks and with all kinds of other uh, policies, and that's potentially temporary. And revenue forecasters in the states are looking very closely at that. And they know that last year's revenue is not their new baseline, but they're also seeing a return to the high levels of growth we had for the few years prior to the pandemic. And they see that continuing for a while. States have been able to cut, not because of a big one-year or two-year revenue bump, but because they see a very strong trajectory. Yeah. Uh, one of the other interesting uh, debates, and something I know you've weighed in on a number of times, that there are a, a number of states out there uh, that are trying to get uh, the states out of the, the grocery tax business, getting the grocers out of yep. the tax business. Uh, how's that shaping up across the country? What are some differences? Yeah, that is very much on the table. Um, there are a number of states where both Republicans and Democrats are talking about uh, either further reducing or eliminating the taxes that exist on groceries. That's true in Virginia with the Republican governor, Alabama with the Republican governor, Kansas with the Democratic governor. Uh, there are a couple of other states that are looking at that right now. The issue is that the sales tax is supposed to be on consumption, and groceries are a very consistent part of consumption that ideally would be in the base. And usually the argument for taking it out is that we're concerned that groceries are obviously a larger share of low-income consumers' income, and therefore it's regressive. The thing is, the evidence that exists, firstly, since we exempt purchases made by SNAP or WIC benefits, and groceries actually scale pretty well uh, with income. We Higher-income individuals purchase much more expensive uh, raw ingredients in groceries. It's not actually a very good way of providing progressivity in the sales tax, and usually a lower, more competitive rate is actually better for low and middle earners. Uh, but politically, it's been really tough, uh, and I think a lot of politicians see it as a big win to get groceries out of the base, and this might be a year where that happens in several states. Yeah. 
If you're just joining joining us, we have Jared Walzak, who's the vice president of state projects at the Tax Foundation in Washington, D.C. Of course, we announced at the top of the show that the Utah State Senate has passed its portion of a tax cut bill, which would lower the state income tax uh, down to 4.85%. Of course, that still needs to work its way through the House and onto the governor's desk. Uh, one of the things I've been dying to ask you about, uh, Jared, is is the you mentioned it earlier, the, the corporate tax. Uh, it seems to me that a lot of these states are now trying to figure out ways to, post-pandemic, lure some of these companies into their states. Uh, how are they leveraging the, the corporate tax and other incentives uh, that might impact those businesses maybe relocating uh, to a different state? The corporate income tax is a shrinking portion of state revenue. It's been below 5% of state tax collections in most states for a long time, and it's going lower and lower, uh, partially because few companies are C-corporations these days and partially just the structure of them. So states have been competing by reducing corporate income taxes, but also changing how they're levied so that the tax is doing less to hit in-state activity and is more in many ways of a flow-through tax. It's more of a cash flow type tax on uh, the sales coming into the state. And Utah has done that. A lot of states have done that to try to reduce the hit on locating within the state. So we see that, but also there's definitely a downward trend. Uh, A number of states are moving forward with trying to fully repeal their uh, corporate income tax. A bill in Missouri just cleared committee today to eventually repeal it. A Democratic governor in North Carolina late last year signed a bill that will repeal their corporate income tax over the next few years. Uh, The trend is very much down on those recognizing they're a low source of revenue. They're volatile. They're very complex. And states would rather have the business activity than uh, increasingly declining tax. Yeah, fascinating stuff. Jared Walzak the vice president of state projects at the Tax Foundation. Before I let you go, Jared, one last question just real quick. Uh, as you are looking forward, what are you watching uh, in the, the weeks and months ahead that we all ought to keep our eyes on? Uh, we know taxes are one of those uniting things for citizens. Maybe it's a shared misery index or something. Uh, but uh, what do you what do you project? What are you seeing uh, in the months ahead? I think this is going to be a massive year for tax reform and tax relief. Last year was huge. This year has the potential to be even bigger. And a lot of this is very good. I think we're seeing significant tax competition, especially on income taxes, at a time when people have this increased mobility, and we expect that to continue. Now, getting the balance right is important. There are a couple of states that are looking at full repeal of their individual income tax, and I think some of them have a pretty good plan to get there. Others, I'm worried, are maybe so focused on the goal that they're forgetting about uh, getting the balance right and uh, making sure that the numbers actually work. Uh, But there's some real opportunities right now for meaningful reform and uh, states need to make sure they remain competitive in the midst of all this change. All right. Fantastic. Jerry Walzak, again, Vice President of State Projects at the Tax Foundation in Washington, D.C. Thanks for joining us on a Friday. Uh, and again, it's it's great to see a couple of things that unite the nation. Yes, taxes unite us as citizens, that shared misery index. We all feel that together. But it's also fascinating to see red states and blue states, Democrat and Republican governors coming together and recognizing that some tax cuts could be good for the economy, could be good for jobs, could ultimately be good for their states. Think again with Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish 
More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.